<laughs> All right. So uh, welcome, everybody. So glad you're here. And we had to put a pause in something fun. Um, our buddy Eric has been traveling the world. So here we are back at week 11. He was going through the figure that shift out the 12-week process. So Eric, welcome back. Tell us uh, maybe a few of the places you've been, if you want to, uh, some of the countries you visited. Sure. Um, first of all, hey. <laughs> Dude, I know it's been, been a while. It's been a few weeks, yeah. Um, it's good to be back on. So yeah, the reason I was traveling this past month was originally for my friend's wedding. I got invited to a wedding by my friend um, who's Indian and his, his wife is Indian as well so they wanted to have their wedding in India naturally Dang. and at first I wasn't sure if I was going to go because it's a long way to go for a wedding but <laughs> I decided you know I'm just going to make a whole trip out of it because how often do you get the chance to go to an Indian wedding in India <laughs> so um, that was the main reason for the trip but I figured it's a long way to go just for three days, which the wedding was actually three days. It was pretty intense. Wow. Um, it was a long way to go just for three days. So I decided to see a couple more cities in India and also visit my friend in Taiwan. That was actually the first place I went, even though Taiwan and India are not really close to each other at all. Um, <laughs> it was actually much cheaper to fly to Taiwan. So I was like, all right, I'll stop there first, see her, hang out for a bit and then go to the wedding. Um, and it was, it was a blast, man. Like I'd never been to Asia before, so that was a really new experience. And the wedding was just fantastic. Like seeing all the different, um, rituals and just all the cultural differences are so fascinating for me. Yeah. The, I would love that too. I also can't help but think about like a three day wedding. You know how at weddings there's this feeling of, okay, nothing can go wrong. Oh, we made it through. Uh, with three days, I mean, I imagine the mood just has to be so chill and let's just go with things and enjoy it. Yeah, there was a lot uh, to do over the three days, so it didn't feel like there was one moment that was the most important moment, really. There was a lot of, a lot of those moments that sort of added up to the whole experience. And I think it's a little, it just felt different than any other wedding I'd been to. I've only, only been to a handful of weddings in the States, but just felt really different you know yeah. cool man so taiwan india cultural things that you saw that were exciting um you know what was maybe like something that impacted you the most that you saw i know that's not the point of this podcast i'm just curious to hear <laughs> hmm well just seeing the different living conditions around india was pretty intense yeah. Um, in Mumbai, it's like the biggest slum in the world. So, you know, we drive past the slums and I would see people, how they're living and just seeing that kind of poverty right in front of your face versus like a photograph is, is really impactful. Um, and even just walking around like w near where I was staying, um, I saw a lot of, you know, crazy stuff like just people walking around barefoot in the street where there's like a lot of garbage and stuff. At one point, I, I was just walking around taking photos, and I turned around, and there were like 12 kids following me, <laughs> and all the kids just sort of stared at me like a deer in headlights, mm. and I was just like starting to talk to them, and, and one of the older kids basically said um, that the reason they were so fascinated is because they don't really see white people walking around there too much, and they were really just happy that I was acknowledging them and paying attention to them. Um, you know, I was a sore thumb in yeah. 
a sea of Indian people. Yeah. So that was really interesting to just like see that perspective of, of people who have never seen a white dude before and seeing some of the living conditions. Um, and the gap is really crazy. Like the gap between poor and rich is even larger. It's so visible. A couple continents I've seen, um, the slums of that continent, if you will, some of the poorest parts of the world. And yeah, it's, it's sobering. It's shocking. It's a recovery period almost being there. And we could talk about that a ton, but it really moved me to be in a couple of those places at different stages. So it's a powerful experience for people to have. Well, man, I can't help but ask with the gap of time, uh, about insights or things that you've looked back and said, uh, or, or things that you looked back and you connected the dots where you saw fear or shame or proving or hiding. What's that been like? Well, I guess going really out, out of my comfort zone to a, new, a brand new place where I didn't know anybody. I was visiting friends and going to this wedding, but there were quite a few times where I was just traveling around alone. And it was a really good time to not necessarily like think and journal, but it just happens in the back of your head while you're, while you're walking around by yourself. Um, and I did, I did some, a good amount of journaling. And I guess some of the things that I took away from it, um, some insights were just not to limit myself, like t to really go for what I want and not go for what I want based on what I think I can achieve or what others think I can achieve. Um, it's funny, as soon as I got back from my trip, uh, I saw an advertisement pop up on my, on my, uh, my Facebook feed and it was for something called Remote Year. And basically um, what they do is they travel around with a group of like 75 people around the world to 12 different countries in a year. And it's actually on my bucket list to live abroad for a year, and I'd never done it before. Um, and it just happened to pop up right as soon as I got back from this trip. I was like, I can do that. So that was a really good insight. Um, just I felt like I could go anywhere and, and just adapt after this experience. Yeah. Um, as far as like fear, yeah, I just I guess when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Now that I'm free from the day job, which is really exciting. Um, I have no one, you know, dictating my schedule anymore. So really the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess I didn't really, I, I was taking a very practical route and I'm still pretty young. So I feel like I have a lot of things I want to do while I'm still really relatively young. Yeah. That's a lot. Sorry. That was a, that was a mouthful. <laughs> no way, man. I mean, so what I love about this, it very... The pattern is, and everybody's unique, but it usually goes into one or two places. By the time people get to week 10, 11, and 12, they are either at a place where they need to be zeroing in more and they're saying no. Um, some get uber focused and they're not just zeroing in, they're zeroed in and there's lots of no's. Uh, and that's where they're at and that's where they need to be because they've been saying yes too much. For some, it's the opposite because the fear loses its power. They're opening themselves to go, you know what? Now is the time to do this. Why can't I do this? I pick me and I'm going after it. Um, and yeah, so like the year of living abroad, you know, there's a thousand things. The shame narratives, you know, you're going to miss building your career. You know, all these ridiculous things that come up that just aren't true that we get to go, oh, that doesn't have to hold power over me anymore. Um, yeah. One of the cool things that I did while I was abroad was um, 
when I got to India, I first went to New Delhi, mm-hmm. and I met up with some designers who I had connected with over the internet, and we actually collaborated on a project while I was there, um, which was pretty awesome. I had never, you know, done that kind of thing before, where I yeah. meet people over the internet and then meet up with them and do a spontaneous collaboration. We ended up making a a giant mural um, on top of one of the buildings uh, near where they worked. Mm-hmm. And we filmed a video about it, and, and it was all based around uh, equality in India, because that's like a huge issue of like gender equality and um, gay rights. So we interviewed people, and we made a whole video about it, and we made a mural. Um, wow. So I thought, how cool would it be to travel to twelve countries and do twelve murals and make twelve videos, and create a business around that? Not necessarily right away, but you know that could be. I mean, I just got so much fulfillment out of that project, and. Who says that I have to be like working with clients all the time? I could be doing these projects and maybe getting people to sponsor it, you know? Yeah, dude, that's a vision. And (laughs) you're putting it out there with precision saying, you know, I'm going to go after this in this specific way, these 12 countries. It's something people can sink their teeth into. Um, And the more that you can line that out and say, uh, okay, so here's the total cost that I estimate this will be. You know, and then when you go to people and ask them to sponsor that, there are people that would want to sponsor that. And, you know, I love the advice of Ben Franklin. Double what you think you need, look them in the eye, and blink. You know, I'm messing up some of that. It's been a while since I read all that stuff uh, on what it means to ask for help. But, yeah, it just, it's it's that transition from uh, insecure, not even going to dream it, to dreaming it, getting it precise to the point that you believe you're giving people an opportunity to be a part of something cool. Um, totally. And actually the goal would be to build up client work so much to the point at that I can just travel and essentially have remote client work. Like most of the other people doing that program are going to have remote jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to have a remote job and then do this as like a passion project while I'm traveling. So it would be able to hopefully fund itself. Um, and I'm just feeling really pumped for the new year. You know, it's, it's only like January 4th right now. So there's so much to look forward to. And I've been doing a lot of planning over these next few days or these last few days. Um, so just feeling really good about everything after coming back from that trip. I feel like I got exactly what I wanted and more. Dude, um, love it, man. How was your holidays? How, how was your you know family time? Did you go anywhere nice or? Oh man, thanks for asking. I love how you always do that. Uh, so <laughs> it was chill. We we wanted chill, mostly chill. Uh, I didn't take a ton of time, and I knew I wouldn't for this break, uh, just because I had some things going that I wanted to keep going. But took a few days off around Christmas and New Year's, and so that was nice. And played a ton of Wii U with the kids. Uh, and got to hang out with my wife, got to go on some trail runs. So we went down to see my parents, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, but yeah, we needed the, the more low key feel and that's what it was. So crazy. I felt good and ready to get back at it. Started today. It's crazy that it's 2016 Monday has happened and I'm excited about the new year. Yeah. There's something about this new year that feels different for some reason. Do you feel that? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's like last year was such a year of venturing out going, let's go do this thing. And it's happened. Um, and I have a number of things behind the scenes that are really shaping up to be pretty big. So there, if that takes flight, uh, this year will be, you know, a dream 
it's last year was a dream year. So I can't imagine. I mean, it's like pinch me. This is what I'm doing. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I would agree with that. I don't know if it's the year of the monkey, uh, or what, <laughs> isn't that what it is this year? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel the same, man. Bring it on 2016. Um, well, tell me about, because as we've, you know, we move through conflict, we're into enjoying relationships. Now, I always like to also ask, you know, any moments you are able to practice from week six and seven, the identity space in your mind's eye, and then just practicing things with uh, any triggers or states that you you built a trigger to enjoy a state. Tell me about that. Sure. So like I said, I was traveling alone for some parts of this, and it felt a little uncomfortable. I don't usually do that. I'm pretty new to traveling alone. Um, and just being alone with yourself for that long a period of time, as well as um, sometimes you perceive the world around you sort of through like a, like maybe I felt like I was unsafe in certain times, just in my paranoid head. Mm-hmm. So I would, whenever something like that happened, I would try to catch myself um, and realize that it was like a false threat or that I was blown out of proportion and just come back to all right, I'm fine. You know, make a plan. Essentially, um, that was that happened a couple times while I was traveling um, for fear of like missing a train or missing missing a flight or mm-hmm. um, just rushing around a lot. Like I felt like I was rushing, and I, whenever I felt like I was rushing, it just like it's just so pointless to spend your energy worrying about something that you can't control. So mm-hmm. that was one big big thing where I became aware. Um, and then when I got back, it's sort of like coming off of that high from the trip and especially after seeing all those things like I was describing before um, and then having all of this freedom now uh, from the job it's a lot to a lot of change and I felt like the first couple days I was just getting used to the jet lag or getting off of the jet lag and then these past few days you know I feel like I need to be making progress I feel like I need to be even though you know today's the first Monday of the new year like everyone's going back to work today finally um, these past few days I've been like sort of hitting myself like uh, I need to make progress I need to you know make sure that I have everything figured out and then at a certain point I was just like I'm not gonna figure everything out <laughs> no one has everything figured out I'm gonna plan as much as I can to the point where it's like time to just break it down and do things you know do things one step at a time and I was I was feeling overwhelmed for a while, but I think today I'm feeling a lot better about it. Dude, that's awesome, man. That's what you're doing. You're pausing that mental mechanism that kicks in yeah. that would block you up to keep, you know, the fear driving you. Um I had like just a lot of time driving where I normally wouldn't uh to think and um just let my brain catch up in a really cool way, process stuff. And occasionally I'd find myself going into that place of fear of no guarantee of 2016. You don't even know what the next thing is. I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Well, and last year was so, you know, I don't know what the next two days is going to be like this year. It's shaped up a little different. I'm able to have a little bit of a waiting uh, list now for the coaching program and just different things that I can go you know, I, I see the, the thing continue to build, but here's what I mean. Like it could all poof, go away. You just never know. Um, and it's, it's getting still in the midst of that for me, 
going in that headspace, that identity space in my mind's eye, knowing, okay, it can all go away and I'll figure it out. It'll be okay. It won't kill me. But also, I don't want it to go away, obviously, and it's going to be okay. I mean, I feel like those four words are huge, and we can give those four words to ourselves over and over and over as much as we need, and it's so hard to get still past the fear. Because when you first get still, the fear is the loudest thing. Uh, But to get still past the fear... um, and you hear those those four words. Probably my favorite part of Christmas break, other than um, just some hang time, was for, for my own fulfillment. I read Dune. I've had a couple of people that have gone through sight shift or figure that shift out the coaching program. Just be like, you got to read this. And uh, the science fiction book. I don't know if you've heard of it, um, but it is uh, phenomenal. I, f- I mean, it it was as a book number one favorite book now i've never read a book where i felt wow. like it expanded my consciousness so much but it is you know science fiction you got to commit because the first chunk of chapters you're not going to know what's going on the words don't make sense you almost need a glossary because he's making up stuff that's new uh but there's a phrase in there that's really cool fear is the mind killer um and this whole litany they say and it's about letting the fear pass through you. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what we've been doing with the the sight shift and the figure that shift out coaching. And it just meant a lot to me to to see that and then have to go back through it for myself. I mean, I'm going home to see my family and that can surface insecurities like crazy. Um, I know people go home and, you know, they get pressure. You know, when are you going to get married? We're going to have kids. Uh, if you're doing what your parents want you to do, all those kind of things. And so what's cool about what you had happen when you're traveling is you're noticing it and then you know how to pause that mental mechanism and that's the best i mean the least i can hope for is people that are having those moments of awareness the most i can hope for is then they learn to organize their brain around them so well done man um any questions on anything we've covered up to this point just stuff you feel like you need a refresher on you want to cover again or that you've had questions surface regarding i can't think of anything right now um cool. but that's that's a big <laughs> i have to think about that that's a lot let you know yeah yeah i haven't i didn't go through like the last 10 weeks um up until this you know th- this past week i just sort of looked at chapter 11 and then i i referenced back to my notes in a few different weeks but um you know i don't have any questions that come to mind right now okay um i guess i'm just excited for the last one, um, I think uh, after going through the side shift program, like I was able to recognize where that fear might have been coming from uh, a lot quicker and a lot easier. Like I don't know if I would have gotten there <laughs> um, without some of the stuff that you've taught me. Oh, so man. thanks. Yeah, that's that's increasing speed of insight, and yep. uh, that's what we're aiming for. Super cool. Well, let's talk about week eleven. Um, you know, I want to get to this specific exercise of calling yourself out. That's so huge. But before we do, any thoughts, questions, reflections on week 11 for us to chat about? Mm, I guess, like, when I spend time with people, it's not so... I'm, I'm really trying to be present. I'm not thinking about all of these things, mm-hmm. um, like how to read them. I'm just sort of in conversation, right? Yeah. Um, so this, there's one part where he said, love them, uh, give love how they feel loved. Mm-hmm. 
can you just explain that again? And, you know, cause I'm trying to be a good friend. I'm trying to have good relationships. Um, but I don't really know how to do, how to do that specific thing. Give love how they feel love, how to know how they feel loved. Like, I guess just by reading, but it just seems like almost unnecessary or, um, difficult. Yeah. Okay. So if I walk into a room of people and I'm getting to know those people, are they introverted? Do they draw energy being alone? Are they more extroverted? That's going to change how, you know, how much I give them space, how, what I do with my tone, uh, what do I do with my energy? I mean, I do it with people, but I, I could use my daughter as an example. If my oldest daughter and I go for a ride, I'm jacking up the electronic dance music EDM and it's, we're getting, we're getting low with it. Uh, <laughs> and it's so much fun. Um, and it's an intense exchange because she wants more intense interactions. Uh, one of my other daughters, if I were to take her for a ride, she might be in a mood to do that and she might want chill and she may just want to be, and I'll just listen to her talk. Um, and, and a lot of that is, I mean, introversion, extroversion, how intense of an interaction do you want? Uh, what is their fear? And this specific thing I'm focused on with this week is really learning to notice what people's fear are. Fear is to help them to give love how they feel love. So I'll give you an example. This is from my life last night. Um, we went to, uh, so we drove on the interstate for a while to go see my parents and went to Kentucky. And, you know, for my wife, her fear means that sometimes in her physical surroundings, she doesn't feel safe. So if I drive real fast on the interstate and weave through cars, that makes her feel anxiety. Um, and I'm not going to do that to her, right? Um, that's not loving her how she needs to be loved. Earlier on in our relationship, I'd, I'd fight her about that. You know, be like, oh, slow to drive how I want to drive. Um, and, you know, I can even tell if I'm driving in a way that makes her feel uncomfortable just by noticing her breathing pattern. Because, again, it's attuned. It's being present. Um, you know, likewise, when we get home, she kind of got into this mode of all the stuff we need to get done before the week began, you know. And uh, and it was a little like a whirlwind. And I just brought her attention to that. I said, hey, when you do that, you know, and it's not like this plan and, you know, we're walking through it going, okay, this is what we want to do. It makes me feel like I would be swerving in and out of cars like crazy. How that would make you feel anxiety you're making me feel like I'm not doing enough because, again, worth equals performance. So we can have a shorthand conversation and get there really fast. But when you're, when you're you know, working with people and building a team or enjoying relationships, and, of course, this week is about enjoying relationships, whether it's work or home or whatever, learning to pay attention to what they're afraid of will help you give them the thing that would make them feel comforted. Because um, the things that would comfort me don't necessarily comfort the people that make up the sight shift team. They're wired up different, and they're going to feel um, that sense of belonging or community, being on the team and taking the mission on together differently than I would, same way at home. And the more secure you are, the more present you can be, because you're not distracted by your own internal dialogue, and you can notice you know, what's happening around you. And it doesn't mean that you're so analytical that you're living in your frontal cortex and you're not really in a state of flow. Right. It just means that the more you notice this stuff, the more your brain will make it like secondhand 
knowledge that you can grab onto real quick. Like when I'm with people, I don't actively have to stand there and think, what's their breathing like right now? Where are their eyes going? How are they engaging me posture wise? Um, I've just, right. I, yeah. I think it's just practice. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, the, that's the thing. I feel like I'm not very good at that and I just need to practice. And, um, this week, you know, these past couple of weeks as I've been traveling, I, I made a couple new friends. Um, and I feel like I did an all right job of, of, you know, loving people how they feel loved or giving love how they feel love. Um, sometimes I didn't do a good job like that, that time I, uh, I just mentioned before where I had to tell my friend uh, how I felt and how I didn't really want to, you know, continue at that rate or, you know, t I wanted to take things slow. Mm -hmm. um, so that's more of like a fact. And I kind of realized that I should I should have had that conversation before I flew around the world to go see her of like what I'm looking for and stuff. Because I knew from even before I left that what I'm looking for is not a serious relationship right now. Um, so... Uh, I learned for for the future to sort of like set expectations, which is a little, a little different from what we're talking about now. But um, yeah, I think just practicing that will be good. Like I'm, I'm going to be actually going to be spending time with family this week. Everyone is going all just spent time with their family for Christmas. I'm actually going to be going home tomorrow because um, my brother's finally in town. Cool. So I'll make sure to I'll, I'll try to practice that of like trying to think about what their fear is. My mom, for sure, has some fears. Remember, I think I talked about mm -hmm. this on our last call about how she was uh, upset or scared about me traveling alone. So, I guess trying to comfort her, even if it means like, like telling a white lie. Um, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I guess, like you said, you're not constantly being analytical about it, and you know, you're just practicing noticing. Yeah. And then over time, you, your actions begin to um, begin to change based on what you're noticing, without you having to actually try to notice. Totally. You yeah. Just, you learn. I mean, I can walk into a room and notice so many things that teach me about how to meet that room where it is. Uh, yeah, I think I'm I'm all right with that. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted you there. No, no, no. It's go ahead. I want to hear what you're saying. I was just trying to think of times that that might have happened at my job where I was working last year. Um, and I would definitely come into a meeting room. Um, and yeah, I would, I would think about the, the people who are there and how they sort of think and how they, uh, what, what language they speak, so to speak. Yeah, that's it. And so what happens though, with the people we're closest to, oftentimes we just move into our own default mode. Uh, and I wanted to go in and, I want to engage the relationship before the task, check the temperature before I assume I know what it is. And then I want to become the thermostat. I want to move it somewhere if they want to, you know, so it's not, it's not, you know, an agenda driven relationship. It's relationship. And then is there a shared agenda and, and a shared agenda that we want to come around and move forward on? Um, and, and that's just such a fun way to relate. And here's the way you get there. And this is why this week closes with this exercise. You get there by noticing your stuff. And then if you call it out, it deconstructs its power over you just by calling yourself out. And it's in small ways and big ways and 
it was me having a meeting with our team and I may have referenced this on the podcast I can't remember and we're about to close the meeting and we're talking about oh yeah you take care of this you take care of this and we're talking about things and I said well okay I'll um, I already took care of that and I hadn't I just wanted him to think I was super on it and uh, you know I'm just like guys I haven't taken care of that I don't want to let myself get away with that just these stupid things where I want to be deceitful so I can trick people into thinking my performance is amazingly perfect so then maybe they'll think I'm worthy right so that's the thing that I'm calling out and then you're calling yourself out regarding your fear um, so for a guy that I was working with today it was just like okay if his fear is his needs are a problem so call that out find ways that you need help and ask for that help um, if the fear is that you'll if you're vulnerable you'll be hurt call that out I'm afraid to be vulnerable right now you know whatever and obviously like I said it's got to be safe people that we can trust but even that's risky because we may find out oh we couldn't trust them and that's how you learn and grow relationships but by calling yourself out it loses that power over you because it's not in the shadows anymore you're bringing it out and that gets you to a place where you're less bound by that insecure identity in relating with others so you can attune to them secure people will attune to others because they're not having to move to get others to you know be attuned to them and it's just amazing to hear you describe it because I mean I for sure wasn't there in my 20s it was all about like I'm proven I'm hyping I gotta get this room jacked up uh, <laughs> and if they don't match my intensity they don't care about the mission as much as me and uh, <laughs> yeah just exhausting you can tell there's an insecure leader at work when they try to fix a problem only clarity will solve with intensity um, and they just don't know better they can't give what they don't have um, so yeah call yourself out were you able to do that uh, yeah, something similar to what you, what, something similar to, to your story. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I'm not the best with going to the doctor. I really don't like going and getting help for those kinds of things unless they're really emergencies. So uh, I basically told someone that I had, I did go to the doctor for something that obviously needed to needed medical attention, <laughs> and it, I mean it wasn't immediate medical attention. Something you know. Yeah. Nothing, nothing really life-threatening. Uh, but I, I lied. I told someone that I had gone to the doctor, and I hadn't. And I basically called myself out and said, well, hey, like, by the way, I haven't gone to the doctor yet. I was mostly just doing that so you would think I was more responsible and that I, was under, I had it all under control. <laughs> um, and I still haven't gone because it's been, like, holiday break, but I have an appointment. <laughs> Dude. Um, well done, man. <laughs> Nobody has celebrated that, or if you haven't been able to tell that story to anybody, let me be somebody who says that one act of courage, uh, it's so empowering and freeing. Because you're like, I can say my truth out loud, and it frees you up yeah. to be more empowered, and I don't die. <laughs> yeah. Well done, man. Yeah. How did it feel when you were doing it, and then how did it feel after you've done it? Not that you noted it, I'm just curious. I guess while I was doing it, I was like, okay, maybe this is actually worse now because yeah. not only have I, am I telling them that I haven't gone to the doctor, but I'm telling them that I lied to them. Yeah. Um, but then after, they basically said, 
oh. And I explained to them like why I lied to them. And, you know, they understood and it felt, it felt good. It was just like got all the cards on the table. And, you know, so many people just don't think about these things. They are constantly proving or hiding and it feels good to know that I'm coming to terms with that, even though sometimes we are still proving and hiding, like at least you're being honest about it and you're making a space for others to be honest about it as well. Right on. I mean, it's like, oh, I have power over my choices that these things were blindly driving me and right. they don't have to anymore. Um, so awesome. Well, any other thoughts or questions uh, before we go? Um, I had something to say, but I forgot it. So I will save it for next week. Hopefully it comes back to me. Dude, it'll probably hit like right when we get <laughs> I look forward to, to hearing more about your trip. I have a crew of people waiting on me with some uh, crushed candy canes and vanilla <laughs> Trader Joe's soy ice cream. Uh, you so go enjoy that, man. Going to do some ice cream, man. Thanks for being here, everybody, and listening. Eric, thanks for the bravery to share. Uh, so glad you're here. Peace, buddy. All right. Peace.